the verse that we will be looking at today is verse 41 and 42 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. And we're going to share some reflections over its meanings over a period of maybe, per se, maybe let's say 10 minutes. So the verse goes as follows. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الرسول لا يهزنك لا يهزنك الذين يسارعون في الكفر من الذين قالوا من الذين قالوا آمنا بأفواههم وَلَمْ تُؤْمِنْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ هَادُوا سَمَّاعُونَ لِلْكَذِبِ سَمَّاعُونَ لِقَوْمٍ آخرين لِقَوْمٍ آخرين لَمْ يَأْتُوكَ يُحَرِّفُونَ الْكَلِمَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوَاضِعِهِ يَقُولُونَ إِنْ أَوْتِيْتُمْ هَذَا فَخُذُوهُ وَإِنْ لَمْ تُؤْتُوهُ فَاحْذَرُوا وَمَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ فِتْنَتَهُ فلم فَلَنْ تَمْلِكَ لَهُ فَلَنْ فَلَنْ تَمْلِكَ لَهُ مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا أُولَئِكَ الَّذِينَ لَمْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُطَحِّرَ قُلُوبَهُمْ لَهُمْ فِي الدُّنْيَا خِزْيٌ وَلَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ وَلَهُمْ فِي الْآخِرَةِ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ سَمَّاعُونَ لِلْكَذِبِ سَمَّاعُونَ لِلْكَذِبِ أَكَّالُونَ لِلسُّحْتِ فَإِنْ جَاءُوكَ فَاحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ أَوْ أَعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ وَإِنْ تُعْرِضْ عَنْهُمْ فَلَنْ يَضُرُّوكَ شَيْئًا وَإِنْ حَكَمْتَ فَاحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِالْقِسْطِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْسِطِينَ And the translation goes as follows. O Messenger, do not grieve for those who race to disbelieve, those who say, we believe with their tongues, but their hearts are in disbelief, nor those among the Jews who eagerly listen to lies, attentive to those who are too arrogant to come to you. They distort the scripture, take rulings out of context, and then say, if this is the ruling you get from Muhammad, accept it. If not, beware. Whoever Allah allows to be deluded, you can never be of any help to them against Allah. It is not Allah's will to purify their hearts. For them is disgrace in this world and they will suffer a tremendous punishment in the hereafter. They eagerly listen to falsehood and consume forbidden gain. So if they come to you, O Prophet, either judge between them or turn away from them. If you turn away from them, they cannot harm you whatsoever. But if you judge between them, then do so with justice. Surely Allah loves those who are just. SubhanAllah, there's a lot there. But there was one particular part that really, really, I really wanted to talk about. And that was the idea of fatwa shopping. Now we all are familiar with the concept of fatwa shopping and what it really is. We all know the idea of people taking fatwa or rulings that suit them. But what does this actually mean? You see the concept of fatwa shopping is actually very misunderstood. A lot of the times people take it to mean as oh you're taking whatever opinion comes to you even if the majority follow a different opinion. It's not as simple as that. Fatwa shopping really what it means is trying to take or what is commonly understood by it or the haram version of it is trying to take the easiest possible fatawa that you can get by not looking at what argument is stronger but you're just looking for a way out. 
That is what is considered not right in Islam. And many, many scholars talk about this. And we can see this in the modern day world when scholars will talk about certain investments or certain transactions and they'll say this is haram. But many Muslims, in fact, will go and say, oh, these Maulvis just want to make everything hard. They just don't want us to do anything. Then these same people who criticize these fatawa will then go and look for someone who will give them permission to do it. And the moment they get that permission, they're like, oh, yeah, we trust this guy. Similar to how Allah says that some of the Jews used to say that if you get this ruling from Muhammad, when Muhammad wasallam, our prophet, would judge between them, when he would say to them, the Jews would say to the people that are going to get judged by the Prophet Muhammad that if you get this ruling from him, follow him. If you don't get this ruling and he gives you a different ruling, then don't accept it. So it's quite silly, right? Because if you're going to a doctor, you can't go to the doctor and say, well, if he gives me this medicine, I'm going to take that medicine. But if he gives me a different medicine, then I'm not going to accept that. Who knows better, you or the doctor? The doctor knows what illness you have and what is the right prescription for it. Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ knows through Allah that what is the correct ruling pertaining to certain actions and transactions. But people don't want it that way. People don't want to hear what's correct. They just want to do whatever's easiest. So when scholars come out and say that a normal mortgage is haram. People will look at it and say, ah, oh, these Islamic mortgages that these scholars talk about, they're all riba anyway. We're going to go for the normal mortgage because it's cheaper. Who knows more about the halal transactions and the haram tra transactions, if not the scholars? And then what happens is that because they're scholars, they have difference of opinion between themselves. And one scholar will say something is halal, and one scholar might say something is haram or questionable. And then what happens is that the people become confused. Okay, which one shall we take? And what I say to this is that amongst Islamic scholarship, you will also have specializations. You will have scholars that specialize in community issues. You have scholars that specialize in inheritance, for example. You have scholars that specialize in academia and uh, aqidah, academia in the sense of they're more into the minutia issues or theory. Um, some scholars you have that are specialists in aqidah. Some scholars are specialists in Islamic finance or transactions, for example. And that's where we look at things. So let's go back to the medical example. So if you've got an illness, right, you've got this illness that is of the heart, say you've got a heart condition, you're not going to necessarily go to the brain surgeon and ask him for his opinion. Because the brain surgeon, while he definitely has knowledge and qualifications on the heart, his specialization is the brain. So you are going to go to the scholar that specializes in the heart. You're going to go to the heart surgeon or the cardiologist, someone who can give you advice pertaining to your specific issue. So if you've got an, a question on Islamic finance, if you've got a question on mortgages or on credit cards, yes, I'm sure there are many scholars that aren't specialists in Islamic finance that can look at the issue and they might have some sense of what to say. But the people that will be leading in the front that will really be able to understand the crux of the issue is the Islamic finance specialist scholars. Now, 
you guys might be thinking, okay, where do I find these scholars? That's where it comes to your own personal research. You now need to go and find the scholars that are specialists in Islamic finance. How do you find them? How do you get in touch with them? There's many different ways. There are certain scholars, there are fatawa boards, for example, or um, fatawa fatwa councils that specialize in, that have an Islamic finance department where you can book a meeting with them and then meet an Islamic finance specialist. So, what I'm saying out there, what I'm really trying to say is that you need to be cognizant of who you're taking your knowledge from and respect the scholars that are giving you the knowledge. And there is nothing wrong with asking for a second opinion from a separate scholar, but to have the intention, because remember, Allah knows your intention. Allah knows what you're trying to do inside. So if you're sincerely thinking, okay, this first verdict it's not sitting right with me to put my heart at ease. I just want to hear a second verdict. If these two scholars say the same thing to me about my particular situation, then I'm going to just go on their word. That's different to being someone who says, you know what, I'm just going to try to ask as many scholars as I can and I'm going to follow the one that gives me the easiest thing or the opinion that, you know, I want to follow from the beginning. So those are two different intentions and Allah knows the intention. Even if you go by what might be a correct ruling, but you had the wrong intention, you might still be liable on Yawm Al-Qiyamah because of your intention of following that. So it's very important that we go to the experts and specialists for rulings and following and respecting the scholars. And then this becomes an issue. People are like, oh, there's not enough specialists in this field. Okay, then why don't you fund them? Why don't you find people that you can then fund that can become specialists in this? A lot of people are like, oh, there's not enough Islamic finance scholars. But when you see it, there's very little funding available for scholars to become specialists in these fields. There's a lot of people that complain about the ulama saying that, oh, we're not producing high caliber ulama. Then why is it that we, we the community, are not funding them? We are funding huge mosque extensions, which sometimes aren't necessary. We are funding huge wudu area renovations, which aren't necessary sometimes. But this field of funding scholars is so important. In years gone past, we had an Awqaf system for scholars. So scholars didn't have to work. They could focus on studying and becoming more competent and then serving the community. Now scholars are struggling to get by and we, the Muslims, aren't supporting them. And that's why you're getting more scholars that are being paid peanuts that might not be adequate for the type of jobs that they are being assigned and that's causing its own host of issues so if you can't find enough scholars if you don't think the scholars are competent in enough fields find a scholar who's interested in islamic finance if you can't fund his entire education that's fine the community can do it push the mosques push your masajid the trustees to send your imams off on specialization courses it is a worthwhile investment because the scholar that comes back, he will then apply what he has learned and more competently serve the community. So before we conclude, I'll summarize what we've said. We've talked about the importance of having the right intention when approaching scholars on certain issues and also accepting their verdicts, especially in the world of Islamic finance. You know, people don't like being told that uh, normal conventional mortgages are haram. Yes, there were fatawa, which were rukhsas. A rukhsa is a concession that was only allowed to certain people. Only allowed to certain people. 
and there are concessions on mortgages. However, there are only for certain type of people that meet it. And even then, that concession, let me give you an example of a rukhsa. A rukhsa is like, for example, being allowed to eat pork when you're dying and there's nothing else to eat. That is a rukhsa. It's a rukhsa. It's a, you're being allowed to do something haram because there is no other option or alternative. And if you don't do it, your life, your livelihood is threatened. That is the point where rukhsas come in. The fatwa on being allowed to have a haram mortgage for the sake of getting one house was what fatwa issued in the 90s, a long time ago before more halal products have become available. And it wasn't something that was necessarily a concession that was allowed for all time. It was time specific. And it is the view of the IFG, Islamic finance guru, us, that we think that that fatwa is no longer applicable in the UK at least. It might be in other countries where halal mortgages aren't available or alternatives aren't available. But it is our view that it's not that in the UK at least, Islamic mortgages should be normalized because it is a halal alternative. The nuance to an Islamic mortgage, we're not really going to get into that today. But what my point is that people shouldn't be seeking out rukhsas internally and looking for the easiest possible ruling. Instead, we should go to the experts, trust the experts and follow what we can. And if our situation is very difficult, then of course you can go to the experts and speak to them and say, look, my situation is impossible. What do I do in this specific situation? And if you get two, three opinions, all of them, you know, one permitting legitimate ease for you, then that's different. But that doesn't become a mass fatwa for everyone. Because what happens is you normalize the door for haram. Then what happens is people think that getting one mortgage is perfect, perfectly halal when that is certainly not the case. So with that, we end. See you guys, inshallah, next Wednesday, 6 p.m., same time for another IFG weekly tafsir session. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.